In my years as a leftist activist, I used to have an argument that I thought would end any pro-Israeli argument. It was an argument that to me made very clear why Palestinians were on the right side. And this argument was actually a picture. This argument was a series of maps. And we see these maps right now. They supposedly show us that through the years, Israel is grabbing more and more land from the Palestinians. So this is the first episode in our supplementary series trying to shed some light in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And the question we will discuss today is, has Israel actually stolen Palestinian land? And our vehicle for answering this question will be this very famous, I would call it meme. But it's not just a meme, because this series of maps has appeared in reputable publications, and as you will see in, in, on your screen, but also this series of maps, the, the so-called the diminishing Palestine or shrinking Palestine maps, has also been used by the Palestinians themselves. So, for example, we see the president of the Palestinian Authority uh, pointing out these maps as an exam, as a proof of the historical, of the alleged historical injustice against the Palestinians. So with me today is Elan Zurno, who will help me understand what we are seeing in these maps. So let's break it down. Let's start from the first map that shows the area, the wider area, before 1947. And what I see here, Elan, is a few Jewish settlements and everything else supposedly belongs to the Palestinians. So is this an accurate representation of what was happening? No, this map is fundamentally dishonest. I think it's designed to fool people and create a narrative that is far from the truth. So we should go panel by panel through this map, and it's good to start with this first panel. But I think it's important to say, to answer your question, did Israel steal the land? The answer is no, it did not steal the land. And I think there's more to be said about the issue of, is there such a thing as Palestinian land? Is there such a thing as Jewish land? And I think the answer to that is also no. There's land that's owned by individuals. And then you can ask, what is their heritage? What is their background? What is their religion? What kind of beliefs do they have? But there is no land that's owned by a collective. And I think that's one of the pieces of context that this kind of map drops. And what the other thing to say as just set up for this map in general, is that this map is an excellent example of a fallacy that Ayn Rand identified called the fallacy of, the, of dropping context. So knowledge is not atomic. Knowledge is a network. Knowledge is something that's integrated. And if you rip something out of context, we know this from when people rip quotes out of context. That happens all the time. But if you rip knowledge out of context, it is not useful. You can't understand what you're being told. And it's usually used by people who are trying to lie to you or deceive you or trick you in some way. And I think this, is, this map is an excellent case study of that fallacy. So let's look at this map that you asked me about. This map is ambiguous over an important issue. So in one respect, the white areas that you're seeing represent settlements. So where people of Jewish extraction are living. What, is the, what does the green represent? It is certainly not where people live because big parts of this area are unlivable at this time. There's just, they're, they're either desert, they're un, 
uninhabitable. They're, they're not arable land. You can't farm them. There's no irrigation. There's just no civilization in some parts of these. So it's just not true that this is representing the same thing on both sides. So what the green is trying to tell you is like this whole area was somehow peopled and the white was peopled. And the, those are the two groups we're thinking about. But that's not historically true. What the green is showing you is a claim for collective ownership. And I think the important thing to see here is that there is no such thing. And the second thing that's important as a, a sort of a principle that should condition this whole context is that the idea of this area as belonging exclusively and in, for eternity to the Palestinians is an essential tenet of the Palestinian cause. It is not a claim that has, that has existed before the cause in any meaningful way. So what we hear, we're going to liberate Palestine from the river to the sea. We're going to own it for eternity in Allah's name. Those are the claims you hear from the different Palestinian factions. That is the default position that they take, that there is no speck of land that the Israelis can live on that is legitimately held by them. So every presence, the presence of every Israeli, of every home, of every factory, of every shop is illegitimate by that fact. So what this map is actually doing is smuggling in the Palestinian cause perspective that there is no size for Israel that's legitimate. And I think that's an important piece of the context that is pushed and pushed out of the picture. And you're, you're made to think, well, look at all these people were living here. And then this, this small dots of white somehow comes and takes over like some sort of infection. And that's, and I use that because there's often that kind of dehumanizing perspective that comes into the Palestinian narrative. So this map is fundamentally misrepresenting the facts on the ground at the time. And it's deliberately, I think, ambiguous between political uh, population and what actually was going on in terms of the land. And also, of course, for thousands of years, that land, the whole of the land, was part of empires. So at that point, so after the fall of the Ottoman Empire, the British took it over for some time. So there was no, let's say, Palestinian state, to put it simple. Now, let us move Just one to more thing on that. Because, sorry. Yeah, yeah, because one more I just thing. want to jump in one more thing on this, which is it's really important. So I said unequivocally that Israel did not steal the land. And it's not the topic for today. Today, we're going to focus on this map. But one important thing to say about this issue is there is documented history of how the the incoming Jews acquired the land. Now we have most of that evidence. There might be cases where you could say the land was stolen. I don't think that's the predominant factor. What actually happened, and this is something I talk about in my book, What Justice Demands America and the Israeli-Palestinian Conflict. We have reams of evidence of how the land was acquired through purchase, trade, exchange of value for value. Now, you might go back and, and dispute some of those uh, transactions. You might say this is not a fair price, but it, that's an important part of the story. So where you see these white settlements, those were acquired either individually or through consortiums where money was raised in Europe and other parts of the world <clears throat> in order to acquire the land. So there's a whole history here that, again, this is an example of dropping a context, whereas that is part of what you would need to know in order to assess the claim that this map is pushing about stolen land. But sorry for cutting in. Why don't you proceed? It's okay. That's very, very, that's very, very important, what you just said. So let's go then to the second part of the map. So here we are in 1940. 
seven going to 1948. So what happened then is that the United Nations, so at some point, the, the, the British uh, colonial forces, okay, we give up, we can't figure out what will happen here because there was already violence in, in, in the land. And then the United States comes up with a partition plan and says there's going to be two states, the Israeli state and an Arab state for the Arab population, which would be what we see there with green as the Palestinian land. So notice, of course, that this is a plan which already Israel is smaller than it would hope because at some point years earlier, it was promised an even bigger part that would include what today would call uh, Jordan. And, but Israel says, even with this relatively small piece of land, again, most in the South is, is desert, Israel says, we are okay. So what is very important here is to notice that there would have been a Palestinian state if the Arabs at that point said, okay, we get this deal. How did the Arabs react? They reacted by uh, declaring war to Israel, literally the day Israel declared its independence, which was the day that officially the British uh, mandate on the area expired. So, Elan, any comments on the, new, on the UN partition plan? Is there anything of interest uh, here? Yeah, notice how this map now is about sovereignty of, a, of nation states versus population distribution. So this is a very different kind of map. Colors are the same. That's something you should notice if you're trying to evaluate this map as a tool for thinking. Why is there no signal that that's the change? Okay, so now the other thing about this is it's at least honest up to this point. This is a plan. This never came to fruition for the reason that you mentioned. That immediately a war erupted within this area and then shortly afterwards, foreign nations uh, neighboring invaded with the goal not to impose the UN plan and rescue it, but the opposite, to completely overturn the idea of the UN plan, whatever its merits, and you could debate the merits of this UN plan. It wasn't the first plan for partition, but it was the one that went into effect under the vote. Those foreign nations that came in were not, and this is important, were not there to make sure that the the population of Arab and Palestinians, and, and we have to talk about what that means, that population was not their concern. Their concern was to take over this territory and make it either part of Syria, part of Egypt, part of Jordan, part of, I mean, even the Iraqis sent people and the Saudis sent people to fight in this contest, so in this conflict. So th there was really a, a grab, an attempt to grab the land. And if you were thinking about if you were really concerned about the idea of a Palestinian state and what happens after 47 and why didn't it why didn't it come to fruition the point you raised about it being rejected is important the point that the, the second point that's important is the fact that the supposed champions of this idea were not interested in it and they came in and, and made it worse and and uh, whatever Palestinians there were who wanted a, a state that would have been uh, part of this UN deal they were prevented from pursuing that because of the invasion of those foreign powers. And then the final point I would raise here is there's a deeper philosophic issue over and above the history and the politics. And that one, again, is part of the context that's dropped and deliberately dropped and evaded. And that is 
yes, the UN voted for a partition, and you can you can cling to that if you're on the side of the Israelis and say, look, we we were on the the right side of this decision, and you can point fingers and say the Palestinians were not, and so forth, and that's fine. But the deeper question is, should there have been any partition? Should there have been any state for Israel and any state for the Palestinians and the Arabs in the area? And that's the philosophic question. And I, I actually think the, the, the Israelis deserve to have a state because they were moving in the direction of a state that would have, that, that did and does now enable people to live in freedom and prosper and build and, and produce. Whereas what I think would have been expected of the Palestinian state is the opposite. It's what you see in all the neighboring regimes, which is their authoritarian monarchy, monarchies or theocracies, and not at all conducive to human life. We don't know what that would have looked like. Oh, actually, we do know because the history, as we'll see, does point to what the Palestinian state looks like. But that's an important issue. What are the conditions? What are the moral premises that make it make your claim to statehood valid or invalid? And that's just completely ignored here. So we start with map one where everything is Palestine except for this white growth which is Jewish settlements. Then we, this, the white growth increases and the Palestinian decreases and it's shrinking. And oh no, how, how could this possibly be the right way this should be going? This is a problem. No, the real question here is, what are the conditions that human beings need in order to live in a society? What is a good society? What is a just society? That's the principle that should govern who is entitled to a claim to statehood. And for, and for what kind of state. And that is completely ignored. And it's important for people looking at this map to ask themselves, why is that question not being put on the table? Why is it being pushed out of the way so that I, I'm led to think that the Palestinians are being victimized by this white growth on the map labeled Israel? That's an important question anyone who's touting this map should be answering. And Elan, just to clarify something, because there might be people out there with bad faith and they will say, so what you're actually saying is that you, you would know already from 1947 that the Arabs in the area would not be able to create a state that will uh, do what is the function of a state, what should be the function of a state, which is to, to, to support uh, the rights of its citizens. And the answer is, yes, we knew it already then, and it has nothing to do with any ethnic origins, it had to do with their ideas. It had to do with their ideologies. All the surrounding states, all the Arab leaders, actually the goal was to throw the Jews to the sea. And that's not an exaggeration. That was an actually recorded and an actually the official goal. So why do we, why do I, at least I claim that it's questionable whether the Arabs should have taken a state and you say maybe they shouldn't is because of what they were up to already. So it has nothing to do with the fact that uh, they are Arabs or the others are Jews. The question is, the government that you are about to install there, will it function in the way a government should function? And I think this is something very original that we bring to the table, that uh, objectivists bring to the, to the table, that this is not about ethnicity. So who was there 2,000 years ago? Why did the Jews have a state and the Arabs have not a state? The question is, what type of government are you going to install there? Anyway, let us go to the third map. So what happens actually, as we said, is many neighboring Arab nations attack Israel. Israel actually loses 1% of its population in the war of 1948, in its independence war. Some of these people had just came back from the Holocaust, having survived the Holocaust. 
And yet Israel wins. Israel defeats these, uh, these uh, foreign armies. And now the state of Israel is expanded to what we see now, this white area. Now, before I go to Elan, let me say for me what jumps out as a big lie in this map. So from 1949 to 1967, in 1967, we have the Six Day War. So we're going to talk in a bit about that. What is portrayed here is that the green area is Palestine, which is a huge lie. Elan alluded to it earlier. The wannabe conquering Arab armies did, wa did not want to create a Palestinian state. They wanted to grab whatever they could for themselves. So what you see there called Palestine, on what is today we call it the West Bank, was an area that was occupied by Jordan. And what did the Jordanian army, actually that was the area of the Arab Legion fighting, what did they do there? Atrocities. They expelled every Jew and they destroyed the synagogues. And did they then declare this part of land to be Palestine? Of course not. This was Jordan. And the Gaza on the left towards, uh, towards the sea, this was part of Egypt. Of course, both areas had many, many refugees. But the question is, how did we end up with refugees in our hands? Well, we ended up with refugees because of the aggressive war of 1948. And many refugees actually left under the command, under the advice of the Arab leaders. So Elan, I wanted to set some very basic historical context because I think the, particularly this segment of the, of the map is actually enraging in how it, uh, it, 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 how it completely defies reality. But what's your take on it? I agree. I think the important piece that's being dropped here from the context is what you mentioned, which is that the Jordanian regime governed what is known as the West Bank, the big green part, and the Egyptians controlled what is the Gaza Strip. And neither was particularly motivated to support Palestinian statehood as a goal. They actually were opposed to it. The Egyptians in particular were quite brutal about it. They let the Palestinian factions operate within those areas. They, they didn't completely crush them, but they weren't particularly supportive either. And it would have been a shock to them, to Egypt and to Jordan, to hear that this is Palestinian land because they conquered it and they viewed it as theirs. And this was, so if you showed this map to them at the time, if this were a contemporary map, they would be outraged because this is certainly not the picture that their, their fallen soldiers had fought to, to conquer. I think the other piece of this, which is important, that isn't mentioned and it's not at all what people who push this map want you to think about. Um, again, we're seeing that the outline of the map isn't changing. And Israel, the, colored in white here, is growing. And, and it's, again, it's not, this is not representative of population. This is sovereignty. And this is the toggling back and forth between those two is important because what is actually true of the green is that it's very densely populated. And it's in both cases, whereas the white is not so. And so it's important to see that uh, continual equivocation over, within the map. And I think the, the point you raised about what kind of state would you build, I agree, that's fundamental here. And that to me is why this isn't ultimately a land question. It's a question of what you would do with the land politically, what kind of society would you build? And we've seen the kind of societies the Palestinian causes tried to build. And it, it's certainly not an ethnic or racial issue. I think it's important to just amplify your point 
on that. It's that's not at all how I think about this. I think it's a mistake to view it that way. And I think even though the participants on both sides often do view themselves in those terms, it's a mistake. I think it's not the right way to see it. Uh, and I think what we should do is talk about the final map. Oh, I think that there is one more panel, right? The, the Before 2000- we go to the one last comment on this map, one last comment. At least we could say at that point, are the areas with the green, are they good neighbors to Israel? And the answer is, of course, no. The green areas are the grounds from which Fedayim, these were uh, uh, so-called freedom fighters, uh, they were starting raids, they were engaged in raids against Israel, raids that looked a lot like the monstrosities we saw on the 7th of October, which means ra- ra- uh, raids to random Israeli communities, to, to random kibbutzes here and there, and then followed by massacres and murder and terrorizing the population. So keep this in mind as we go to the next map. So the next map is the, the aftermath of the Six-Day War of 1967. And of course, there's something here which is missing. And this is that, after, first of all, in 1967, the Egyptian armies and from the north, the Syrian army are creating a circle around Israel. And also it's expected that Jordan might uh, enter also the upcoming war. So Israel engages in a preemptive strike, it destroys the Egyptian air force, and then it beats both Egypt and Syria and Jordan. Jordan enters the war, although Israel pleads with Jordan, don't enter the war. So what is missing from this map is that, first of all, after 1967, all this area is white, all this area is occupied by Israel, and also more area on the south, the Sinai Desert, is occupied by Israel. Now, let us pause here for a second because this is very important. How did Israel end up occupying the West Bank and Gaza and the Golan Heights? Again, this supposedly legal occupation is key in the narrative of the Palestinians. So why did Israel end up occupying these territories? Remember, in 1967, Israel is fighting a defensive war. The Arab states, Egypt and Syria, were ready to attack Israel. There is very little doubt about that. Also, these areas, the West Bank and Gaza, but also the Golan Heights, were used as points of attack by the Arab countries against Israel. So it was a very important security concern for Israel. And remember, Israel pleaded with Jordan, do not enter the war. So if Jordan had not entered the war, the the West Bank would not be occupied territories. If Egypt had not planned to attack Israel, the Gaza would not be an occupied territory. And if Syria had an attack, the Golan Heights would not have been occupied territories. So Israel had the right to keep these pieces of land. And how important these pieces of land were for its defense became evident some years later in 1973, where the Golan Heights and the Sinai Desert gave Israel the the strategic depth that it needed to withhold the attack of Egypt and Syria to, to withhold round three of their war against Israel. But Israel, when it realizes that at least some of its adversaries, in this case the Egyptians, 
are interested in a peaceful coexistence, it gives back Sinai. The, 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 it gives back the Sinai. And actually what we see here is that after the 90s, Israel engages in talks with the Palestinians. And actually it gives administrat some administrative autonomy, some administrative rights in the Palestinians, both in West Bank, this is the dots on, on the center towards the north, but also in Gaza. And actually since 2005, Israel completely removes itself from Gaza. The results, we see them today because a year later in 2006, Hamas gets control of the Gaza. And also something important, around that time, there are two offers to the Palestinians for a two-state solution. One offer by Clinton and Ehud Barak around the, the Camp David and another in 2008. Neutral people claim that these were good deals, but the Palestinians did not take them. So this is my historical context for this last map. So Elan, you wanted to talk more about this map. What draws your attention? The first point I would raise here is that this is gliding over the, the, the so-called peace process that began in 1993 with the Oslo Accords and that led to the West Bank becoming a Palestinian, West Bank and parts of Gaza becoming the beginnings of a Palestinian state under that agreement. This was the classic land for peace agreement. And the, the idea was that by 1994, the Palestinian Authority, which was the government in the making, would take over administration of the West Bank and then eventually all of Gaza. And that's what you see in the green bits on this map. Now, this is 2005. That's just more than a decade since the Palestinian Authority came into being. Why does it not look like a solid green the way it would if you saw the original maps that this peace agreement had been built on? Well, because the Palestinian National Authority, the, the proto-state, the beginnings of a state, was a failed state before it became completely sovereign. It was a dictatorial regime. It was stealing from its own people. It was carrying out and encouraging, fostering, and paying for attacks on Israel from within its territory, so to the extent it had sovereignty. It was anarchic in many ways between rival police forces. Just imagine what that looks like. Not rival armies, rival police forces, domestic conflict. So the, the West Bank that is taken over by the Palestinian Authority from 1994 onward is a catastrophic failed state basically before it becomes before it's even born it's failed and that is partly what israel does in response to that is it starts clawing back authority it starts bringing back its military it starts to collaborate uh, uh, to make sure that it doesn't completely implode and become a a worse threat than it already is so the the reason the palestinian authority isn't a solid green on this map is because it was not interested in becoming a state it was interested in exploiting its own people and waging war on Israel. Now flip over to, so it's interesting, this is 2005, because as you pointed out, in 2005, Israel decided, forget land for peace. We're, not, we're done with that. We tried that for a decade. It didn't, it wasn't really a promising strategy because they did that with Egypt and that sort of worked. Egypt entered into a cold peace with Israel. They did land for peace with parts of uh, where they were in, on the border with Lebanon, 
not a great arrangement. And they did it with the Palestinians, catastrophic, right? So what happens in 2005, the Israeli government says, forget it, just we're gonna remove every last person, every last soldier who's in the Gaza Strip. We're gonna hand it over to the Palestinian Authority. This failed state that I was describing, it's gonna take over. And then a year later, with the blessing of the United States, they hold elections in the Palestinian Authority. So that's both Gaza and the West Bank. And the, this is when Hamas wins by a landslide. And now the Palestinian Authority and Hamas have a civil war, literally a civil war in Gaza. And it was brutal. And if you think, if you, think you know brutal, you need to go read about what they were doing to each other in the streets of Gaza, the, the street fighting and the, the horrific... Uh, conduct. The outcome of that is Hamas wins the Gaza Strip. So one way to look at this is the green is so is so fragmented. It's, there's no land correct connection between the two. How would they ever build a state? That's part of what this map is trying to tell you. Look at how Israel's thwarted the Palestinian statehood. I think the truth is Israel made sacrificial steps towards enabling a Palestinian state. It blew up in its face. And the consequence is that there are now two Palestinian states, the Gaza Strip ruled by Hamas, which hates the Palestinian Authority, which is ruled by Fatah and the PLO. So in, the, in effect, it's, there's, the Palestinians have more quasi-sovereignty than they ever did. Now, it, it's, it's awful. No one, I think, would want to live there. No one would choose to emigrate there because it's such a terrible political environment, it's such a hostile uh, uh, environment for people who want to be free and produce. So this is part of what the map is not telling you. And it's the reality of two rival Palestinian states that would destroy each other if they had the means to do it with embedded within Israel. And so you can, I have sympathy for the Israelis not knowing how to solve this because they tried land for peace. It didn't work the way they thought it would, but predictably it made things worse. Now, the final thing I'll say about this map is that it prays, it has to be understood at least in part in the debate within this space between the pro-Israel and the, the pro-Palestinian side. And the pro-Israel side has really well-developed narratives about some of what we've been talking about, which some of which is true and, and I agree with, some of it is I don't agree with. And the, the map is calculated to respond to some of those talking points. And what are those talking points? One is that Israel is has long been willing to trade land for peace. And you've been talking about that, Nikos. You've given some examples. And in the reality is the Palestinians, which is true, the Palestinians repeatedly reject those offers. And the, the, the big one you mentioned, the Clinton protocols or the Clinton parameters, excuse me, from 2000 with, uh, this was the biggest offer they were ever off, uh, put on the table. And I think even people sympathetic to the Palestinian cause were surprised that their leadership walked away from it because, but I think what it reveals is there was no real interest in any kind of peace. Now, that idea that this map is supposed to show Israel was never interested in Palestinian statehood, has always been thwarting it. The map is supposed to undo that pro-Israel narrative. But the issue here to notice is that the people on the pro-Israel side responding to this I think are, are falling into a trap. I think that the trap is that it's right to try to do land for peace. I think that is a mistake. I think there, were, there was enough evidence early on to realize this was not the path forward. And each step they took in this direction made things so much worse. 
for their security and for the lives and freedom of their of the Israeli population. So the idea that the answer to this map is no, 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 Israel has been making offers and the Palestinians walked away. That is all true. It's important. It's revealing of the Palestinian gold. But it's also not the, the most important point here. The most important point here is that this is further evidence that the Palestinian cause was not really interested in building a free, prosperous society. And what the map is showing you is that one way to read the map is that, that that's the collapse you can read off this final panel. They can't build a state when they're given the opportunity and billions of dollars in international aid to do so. So it's not as if they're bootstrapping. Even with all that, even with all the, the regional aid, they don't do it because it's not their goal. I think that's the, the, the most damning aspect of this map is that it, this is evidence, yes, but not of Israel's perfidy or dishonesty or lack of will for peace. It's the evidence of the Palestinian cause and its view that there is no strip of land that you could legitimately call Israel, that they want it all and they want no one else living there who is not uh, a faithful Muslim. That's basically the Hamas view. And, and that has to hold for eternity. So the, the river to the sea, the chanting you hear in the streets in Europe and North America and on campuses, that, that's an echo of the Hamas charter that tells you that the land of Palestine is forever in Allah's path. You can never take it away from it and nothing but Allah's way on that land is legitimate. So to me, that's the real story that needs to be understood. And that's what this map is trying to prevent you from understanding by, by ripping this whole issue out of an important philosophic context. One last comment for the land for peace uh, thing. Uh... After 1967, after the military triumph of Israel, we have the historically perhaps unprecedented fact that the winner of a war is chasing diplomatically the losers of the war, saying, hey, come and make peace. Let's come and have peace. And what is the reaction of the Arabs? The three no's in the, the three no in the infamous now Khartoum summit, where the Arab states gather and they say, no peace, no negotiation, no recognition with Israel. So hopefully we've given you some context about these maps. Again, these maps is the propaganda meme that never dies. I first saw it in the early 2000s, in the first years of the internet becoming more widespread, and I still see it almost every day on Twitter. Anyway, hopefully we're going to have more episodes uh, setting light to more aspects of the conflict, of the Arab-Israeli conflict. Again, hopefully from a principled and from a philosophical point of view. Many thanks to our viewers. Thank you, Elan. You've been listening to New Ideal, a podcast from the Ayn Rand Institute. If you like what you hear, leave us a review, share with a friend, and subscribe to our other podcasts. This podcast was made possible by donors to the Ayn Rand Institute. Help support this podcast by becoming an ARI member. Go to aynrand.org forward slash membership.